So that's where like the, the biggest question that I think exists in science, right? Like, are we alone? Yes. But the bigger question is we have proved that chemistry, geology, and physics works throughout the universe. But there's another branch of science that we haven't seen work off of the surface of Earth, and that's biology. We have not been able to prove biology exists anywhere else except the surface of Earth. But if we can find life, we find those microbes, like out at Europa, or let's say it's in the depths underneath the, the subsurface of Mars, which some people think that actually exists, then we see that biology exists off the surface of Earth. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Kevin J. DeBruin, a former NASA rocket scientist turned professional space educator. He is the founder of Space Class, a two-times TEDx speaker, international space and science camp instructor, and author of To NASA and Beyond. Kevin's mission is to inspire and educate as many people as possible about the wonders of space exploration and its importance to us here on Earth. He works endlessly to bring space down to Earth for the masses in a fun and exciting fashion. With more than 30 NASA mission concepts under his belt, Kevin is the go-to guy for solar system exploration. I love this conversation because Kevin describes what it takes to achieve your dreams, as well as how to pivot when you realize there is life beyond the goals you have set for yourself. So if you are someone who likes science and space, or have dreamed of starting your own brand and business, this conversation with Kevin will be intriguing to you. Let's welcome to the show, Kevin J. DeBruin. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast, and today... We are going to go to the moon, figuratively and literally. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Kevin J. DeBruin, and he is an ex-NASA scientist. We'll get into why he's an ex-NASA scientist, because he's doing a lot of cool things today. But the first question I have here for Mr. Kevin, he answered my Google form with what he wanted to talk about here today and what he could talk about all the time. And on it was a word that I had no idea what it meant he likes to talk about Europa. And my first thought was just like, okay, there's, is there another planet that I don't know about? But I'd love for you to go into what is Europa and why are you obsessed with it? Yeah. Europa is the best place to find aliens in our solar system. So you've never heard of it. So Europa is a moon of Jupiter. All right. So we got our own moon, but there are hundreds of moons in the solar system. Jupiter, the biggest planet, has 79 confirmed moons. There's more out there. We just got to go find them. Now, Europa is the fourth largest. It was discovered by Galileo in 1610. It's about the size of our moon, but it has two to three times as much water as all of Earth. So everything that exists out in the solar system, this is the best place to look for aliens based upon life as we know it. Because it has three ingredients for life. Like, what do we need to live? What's one of our basic necessities? We got two big canisters in front of us. Water. Water. Right. So you're, where you find water, you find life. You go take a spoon, you go out to the Colorado River, you go to Lake Travis, you go to the ocean. Hundreds, if not millions, not billions of organisms just in that spoonful of water. So Europa is just a big ball of water that's frozen on the outside. So we can check that box. Yes, Europa has water. The second one is chemistry. We need the building blocks of life or carbon-based life forms. We need the things we find in rocks. Specifically, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur, abbreviated SHNOPs. That's how I remember that, <laughs> C-H-N-O-P-S. So to have life, you need SHNOPs. The teachers always love that joke. And then the third one is we need an energy source. We need a way to power life. Now, here on Earth, we've got the sun, but Jupiter is five times further away than we are from the sun, and the sun's heat and light drops off exponentially as you go out. So it's just not strong enough to have a power source out there for life. But what we believe is happening is since there's those 79 moons of Jupiter, there's four big ones, Jupiter's the largest planet, there's a lot of gravitational pushing and pulling, which causes Europa to flex. 
So it is a ice ball that is constantly breaking and shifting. And if you're constantly moving, movement creates friction, creating heat leads to things like underwater volcanoes. So we believe there's underwater volcanoes on the ocean floor at Europa, releasing salts, minerals, and energy into the ocean to allow for life to thrive. So based upon those three ingredients, we believe that the water is there, we believe it has the right chemistry, and we believe there's an energy power source. So we're headed out there with our spacecraft Europa Clipper in 2025 now is the launch date to go and test that hypothesis. Wow, that's a <laughs> lot to unpack. So I guess where my head goes, the little kid in me is, okay, if there were aliens, mm -hmm. which there probably is, the chances, I mean the statistics would say that there's probably some other life form out there. What do you believe that that being looks like? Or wh what do you think that it's like a walking, talking organism like us? Or you mentioned prior to that whole story, how like in a little thing of water, there's mm -hmm. microorganisms. That's what we're looking for. Microorganisms. So we don't believe there is no evidence or anything to point to intelligent life within our solar system or intelligent life at all. So sorry to spoil it for everybody. We have not had contact with aliens yet. <laughs> it's not a thing. So we're talking about microscopic organisms. So the really, really tiny things. Now, when you say that there's got to be life out there, given the statistics, there's two controversial opinions about that. One is given the vastness of the universe, you know, it's been around for 13.4 billion years. There's got to be other stuff out there, right? But then if you look at the probability of all of the things that needed to happen for me and you to be sitting as live sentient beings right now, to replicate that process again, the probability of that is actually zero. So which one is it? Because that's the Why is the probability zero? Because of all of the things that you needed to happen. So mathematically, we'll take a super simple example. Like there's a trolley system or a bus system. What is the probability of that bus arriving at the exact time that it says 9.05 on the dot? Mathematically, the probability is zero. So the probability of all of these things needing to happen again in the exact same format, mathematically is zero. The way that I'm interpreting this is mm -hmm. like if, if we think of time and space as once you cut that slice in that one particular time, the chances of that same occurrence across the universe happening at the same rate at the same time, the probability of that is zero. Yeah. Is that, am I interpreting that correctly? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Which that would make sense. Yeah. So that's where like the, the biggest question that I think exists in science, right? Like, are we alone? Yes. But the bigger question is we have proved that chemistry, geology, and physics works throughout the universe. But there's another branch of science that we haven't seen work off of the surface of earth. And that's biology. We have not been able to prove biology exists anywhere else except the surface of Earth. But if we can find life, we find those microbes, like out at Europa, or let's say it's in the depths underneath the, the subsurface of Mars, which some people think that actually exists, then we see that biology exists off the surface of Earth. And then once that first door is open, then we're like, okay, there's probably microbes everywhere. The next question is, has there been enough time in a location where those microbes have been able to evolve into sentient beings, which I would say yes. So my belief with aliens, I don't know if we have an intelligent alien right now, but I firmly believe that we had intelligent aliens and will have intelligent aliens because Earth has or been- Or we're the alien. Well, currently, <laughs> currently that's us. Yeah. Right. So humans I as a species that. has only been around for about 200,000 years. Homo sapiens. I'm not talking about anything before that. Homo sapiens specifically. That's what I'll call intelligent life. Earth has been around for about 4.5 billion years, right? But the universe is almost 14 billion years old. So for human beings, the sentient being is just a minuscule like second compared to the entire calendar, like an entire year of the existence of the universe. So I think before us, there was intelligent life. And I honestly don't think we're going to be around for 200,000 more years, 2,000 more years maybe, that's even questionable given our current rate of stuff. So when humans go extinct, because I firmly believe that that is actually going to happen after us, there will also be intelligent life somewhere else in the universe. Let's go down that thread. So <laughs> do you believe that we will 
basically, if we're using entrepreneurial terms, pivot and innovate into a new type of being? Or do you think, Luke, we will be demolished in totality? So when you say that we will go extinct, like in my head, I'm like, the human beings as we know it, I think will go extinct. Like, Mm-hmm. Especially with technology and people looking at becoming cyborgs and stuff like that. <laughs> I was going to ask, is that the, what you were thinking? The, like yeah, the hum- yeah, the human, I mean, we're already halfway there. Everyone walks around with their phone in their pocket all the time. So it's just like, we're literally yeah. starting to create extensions mm-hmm. of things. It's only a matter of time where something gets implanted and then you have two types of human, you have another race at that point, another another yeah. type of human being. And then does the human, like, why would you stay the current, human being if you're not the better human like that's yeah. where i kind of start thinking so i'm just like something's gonna happen but it could be your belief that it all ends all together I, I do think it will all end like it will end all together i do think so but possibly in the meantime we're gonna see what you're talking about but to another level so when we become when because i do think it will happen a multi-planetary species so let's say we go to mars right develop a colony on mars eventually the people who live on Mars who are born and raised on Mars will be a different race Mm. than humans on earth. They're going to be evolving differently. The gravity is less. The sun is less. Your bodies will literally become biologically different. And then it would essentially be like bestiality. If you try and mate, if you try and mate, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to reproduce. So we will have two entire different races. And that's just, just based upon the evolution of living in a new environment. So we have done studies into that. Like, what are future humans going to look like? Like Martians. Like Wally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, sitting I mean, in those big chairs. Yeah, just they're just going to be like big blobs. Yeah. Well, if we're actually on Mars, like walking around and like trying to live there. So what the studies show us is that your skin is going to be much lighter because the sun isn't as bright. So you don't need to have like darker pigmentation, right? That's why people who live further away from the equator have lighter skin. So that's what we're going to see on Mars. We're also going to see less bone structure. So since there's less gravity, it's going to be like in microgravity, like the bone density goes down when astronauts are in outer space. Mm-hmm. Then the other thing we see is like larger eyes and stronger brown bone structure, because since the sunlight is much less to be able to see more, we're going to need to evolve to have larger spectacles. So those are just some of the things that we're looking at of how a human would evolve into a Martian. It's interesting because I was I was watching some meme and it kind of talked about how like we're already evolving to look like some of the the characters <laughs> the the alien characters <laughs> where we're becoming more pale and like our eyes are becoming bigger like it basically was yeah. describing exactly what it was making fun of the description that and I was like wow that's actually kind of true we're like sitting more and doing mm-hmm. all these things we're becoming more fragile and if you look at like it really at the end of the day was talking about how our brains are becoming bigger but like our bodies are becoming smaller and it the, the age-old meme of an alien is like the big head and the big eyes and yeah. the, the frail body which if we're looking at today's world it's just we're ingesting so much information compared to previous generations but where previous generations were beating us is daily movement and bone density and yeah. these other things um that's where wally becomes a reality yeah the and, fat slob sitting in the chair is not moving <laughs> doing anything and when i watched that movie i was like there's no way that this could be a p- possibility and then just year over year i'm just like amazed by how much more we move into sitting and doing nothing. Um, But that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, and you probably experienced a lot of that, you know, being an engineer before this as well. When I was in the office as an engineer, I was like the the most in-shape person, right? A lot of people just kind of look like Wally already. They're sitting in their desk chairs and just wheeling around like... I didn't, I haven't even thought about that. Like it literally, you're literally at that point. If you were to think about it as as a work culture, like we already Mm. are there, and then with the pandemic, the work from home became a huge thing. So then, then it just like progressed. Um, but it's interesting that you brought up the engineering because in terms of you being fit and your physical fitness, and if you're listening to this, like Kev is a specimen. Like how tall <laughs> oh, are you? thank you. 6'4". Six, 6'4", four. Six, four, in shape, can run the miles, can lift the weights, athlete, super brain. But it reminds me of w- what you just said when I was – at my corporate job and you stick out like a sore thumb, but that's what led me into kind of the path 
that I got to go down because people started asking me like, what are you doing? Like outside like <laughs> of the gym. And the reason I'm going down this is how did you balance your life in terms of staying in shape and staying fit and then also studying to become a NASA scientist? Because a lot of people would say that's impossible. Like it's impossible mm -hmm. to maintain a certain level of physical health and then also study at such a high level and reach such a high level of success in one area. What does your lifestyle look like to balance that? I love that question because people normally ask like, how can you do both? Like, don't you just have to pick one? Don't you have to like sacrifice one? Like, how do you have the time to work out so much? That's the question I get. And I'm like, that's the wrong question. That's the backwards thinking. It's like the only reason I was able to get through grad school and mm. do my job the way I did my job is because of my fitness regime, because I'm in shape, because I have the, the consistent schedule, because I eat well, I have more energy, I have more mental clarity, like I'm able to have more endurance, like I can run on less sleep. Like, yes, I get enough sleep, but if you're out of shape, you need more sleep than someone who is in shape, right? So it's like all of those things compound to allow me to be able to study to be an NASA rocket scientist, to design the spaceships and send them to outer space. So what worked for me is the time that I have to myself before the day takes over is before the sun gets up. So in grad school, I was getting up at 4 a.m. every single day to walk a mile and a half to the bus stop, to get on the trolley that would then take me the last half mile to the gym, and then work out before I had to go into lab to start work or have my first class. So that's what I did. I was just getting up super early, hitting that. And then the second part is that I had a lot of challenges at grad school. So I went to grad school not knowing how to code, which was a very, very big disadvantage. I'm sitting in my first class. What like, oh. were you coding? Just so I, like, when you say code, what do you mean? Code uh, MATLAB. Okay. Familiar with MATLAB. Mm -hmm. So I'm writing, com using computer code, specifically MATLAB. And my instructor said, we need you to write an optimization algorithm for this flight pattern according to these constraints. So let's say you have... X number of planes, how many planes do you need to cover this area where there's no gaps in coverage or minimal gap in coverage, you need refueling. So like all these parameters. And I'm like, wait, I need to use computer code to write all of this and figure it out? They're like, yeah. And they're like, what are we writing it in? I'm like, MATLAB. I look to the guy next to me. I'm like, what's MATLAB? And his face was just like, how are you in this class if you don't know what MATLAB is? Wait, so you got your degree, like your your bachelor. What did you you got? What Mechanical you got engineering bachelor's. And you never took MATLAB? No. I wow. Yeah, I only knew VBA, Visual Basic Applications, yeah. which is behind uh, all the Microsoft products, PowerPoint, Word, Excel, and I only learned that at my internship. I did not get taught that in school. You need to go back to your school <laughs> and like because they're sending yeah. a lot of kids at a dis disadvantage because. Mm -hmm. For me, no matter what engineering you were in, that was like one of the standard, that was like first or second year, standard across the board. And then you would go MATLAB or some people would go into Python and some other things, depending on what their degree was. But it wasn't until wow. grad school. I And the, yeah. the thing is, like, if you're an engineer out there and li listening to this, one, you know what MATLAB is. But then two, like, I would have been shitting bricks if I would have had to start at the level of what you were talking about. Because when we did MATLAB, it was just like, a plus B equals C. Like that was the type of stuff we were doing when you first started at the entry level. But um, sorry to sidebar that. Oh, no, dude, I lived in Stack Overflow. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So it was difficult. So like the reason I bring that up is because there are so many nights that I am just working, banging my head against the computer, trying to figure out MATLAB code, right? And like, why am I getting errors? Where's the bug <laughs> in my code? What the heck's going on? So in the beginning, I'm like, just like putting my brain to it and focusing. I'm like, okay. And eventually, let's say four or five, six hours later, I figure it out. But then I tried a new, new strategy. When I ran into a wall, I tried for like maybe 30, 45 minutes. And if I didn't figure it out, I took a break. I went to the gym or I went for a run. I reset myself. I came back and then I was able to solve it within like 15 to 20 minutes. So what I found out is that by pulling myself away, getting endorphins, resetting myself, creating a new initiation point of mental clarity and alertness, specifically post-exercise, my brain was just in hyperdrive to be able to figure out a problem immediately post-exercise. So I would take that break for 30 to 40 minutes, do that run, do that little workout, come back and just crush it.
So yeah, I could have continued on for another four, five, six hours and figured it out, but I included fitness in my life and it made the productivity of figuring out problems and challenges insane. Like I'm dropping from like four, five, six hours down to what, an hour and a half if you include break and then coming back. So like 45 minutes plus 20 minutes. That's saving me four hours a day because I decided to implement a fitness regime when I got stressed. It makes you more effective at life. Yeah. It's just like in, in all areas. And that's where I wanted to ask you that question because, I mean, I talk about this all the time and I want people to hear it from somebody, a different point of view and mm-hmm. somebody that has like seen the highest of the high for what you were trying to do. You achieved it. And that's where like, there's just no excuse. Like, I love how you reframe that. I'm going to use that moving forward where it's yeah. it's not something that's, you have to spend time doing, it is what you should be doing that adds value to all the rest of your time. What's up guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Kevin. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Kevin DeBruin. Complete sidebar, do you know what Arduino is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yes. when you mentioned MATLAB, it it meant, it made me think of the bane in my existence, which was my senior design project where we had to, the, the group I was a part of, we had to code a manufacturing line where we did vial filling from scratch, and then we had to like do color processing to like see if the vial was allowed to pass or not and then mm-hmm. basically my whole part of the project was coding the filler so it would get on the manufacturing line and it would do a couple processes and i had to literally i remember this i got a bucket from home depot and then i got a funnel and would fill the funnel with water and then i had to code with matlab and arduino where there was two sensors if the vial was tall enough to hit the two sensors it mm-hmm. would fill like two milliliters. And if it only hit the one sensor, it would fill one milliliter. And then it would go on to the next phase and somebody else would have that part of the project. But I would spend so much time. I had to get like a fish tank pump so that it would pump the water. Um, and I would spend so many evenings just like stressing over this MATLAB code that, that wouldn't work and it would spray the water everywhere. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> but it, it taught me something. It It literally, when I look back on it, I start thinking like, wow, if I can do that, then I can literally do almost anything. So I'd love to understand a little bit of your story of, okay, so you had this goal to become this NASA scientist. Mm -hmm. First, why did that goal even exist in the first place? Where did it start from? Because achieving that, you need to have some sort of purpose or discipline to even want to get to that point, right? And like most people don't achieve those higher level goals because eventually they give up somewhere. But why was it so important to you to hit that goal? Yeah. And where did it start? Well, where it started was the movie October Sky. Have you heard of this one? I have not. Okay. So it was released in 1999. Jake Gyllenhaal is the main character. It's based upon a true story of a young boy in Colwood, West Virginia, who sees Sputnik, the first human-made satellite, go across the night sky, like looks like a shooting star. And he just gets super inspired, starts building rockets with his friends, blows up his mom's fence in the process, wins a science fair. Wait, goes, maybe I read this book. Uh, it would be called Rocket Boys. Okay, I read book. that book. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> when did I book. read this thing? Well, the movie came first, but and well, they. 
the book and the movie were like created at the exact same time. I wrote a book report on this. Yeah. Wow. So this is the movie. Okay. Uh, okay. About it. So eventually, like, wins the science. Was fair. his dad in the coal mines or something? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Bringing me back. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so then he goes on and becomes a NASA engineer training astronauts. So I saw this movie at 10 years old and I'm like, wow. Like, that was the defining moment in my life where, like, I knew that I wanted to design spaceships for NASA. I'm like, that's just like super cool. So I'm 10 years old. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Prior to that, in preschool, I said I wanted to be an astronaut. So there's like at least a common theme. Had the glow-in-the-dark stars on the ceiling, put them on the fan, and we turn that on, you know, shooting stars at night. But I guess the reason that I kept on going, in the beginning, it seemed impossible. Didn't seem it was impossible. Grew up in a small town in Wisconsin, 10,000 people. No one in my area knew anyone who even remotely like worked for NASA or like you grew up, you didn't leave this hometown. So it didn't feel like, like if I didn't achieve it, it's just like, okay, there was no expectation. So I'm like, let's just see what can happen. Let's just throw stuff out. And people would laugh at me. Like when I said, yeah, I want to work for NASA. Like, oh, look at this kid and his big dreams. I'm like, great. (laughs) Um, But then when I got my first taste, so when I actually got an interview with NASA, I didn't even get an internship at this point. I got an interview a phone interview, I was like, oh, like this might actually happen. And when I saw it could potentially happen, that's when I went all in. I was like, well, wait, you mean this, this could be real? Holy crap. Like I've just been applying to internships. I applied to over 150 internships over the course of three years until I got my first one. But I got that interview after like the 100th or 110th application that I put in. I was just like, you know, buckshot. Let's see what I can do. Send it all out and got that interview and went, okay, what do I need to do to make this happen? And then like really, really started putting into the work. It was a little bit of like trying to prove people wrong because like people laughing at me like when I was yeah. a kid. And then even in, in undergrad, when my friend's parents would ask me like, what do you want to do? Like want to work from NASA? They would immediately laugh. I'm like, okay. Like, people are shocked. They're like, that's a thing. Like, you want to do that? I'm like, yeah. Like, you just wait. You know, so I had like a little bit of that fuel to go along the way. Were there any points that you wanted to give up? Oh, yeah. Any stories that you can think of that almost like broke you? So for me, at one point in my journey, I was trying to do too much. Like Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a scholarship that I had to keep and I had a really good GPA. And then one semester I got like a one Oh, I literally got a C, a D, a W, and an F. And a W is a withdrawal. So like that was my stat sheet for that semester, right? And I remember literally wanting to give up. I talked to my dad and I'm just like, I don't think this is for me. Yada, yada, make up every excuse. And he gave me some really good advice, which was have more fun. Mm. So instead of like double down on your studies, it was just like, where can you find more enjoyment? So similar to the theory of like, go for a run yeah, and then everything else falls in line. I think what he started noticing was I was putting, I was waiting this one thing too much and it was, pre- it was too much pressure for myself rather than saying like, pretty much the, the age old saying is like, what do you call the doctor that has the lowest GPA and Still a doctor. Still a doctor, right? So he was giving me that advice. Like, you're going to be fine. Just keep going, right? So I did that. But it, I was so close. I was looking up other degrees. I was looking up other pathways. And this was going into my junior year. And so I'd already made it halfway through. And I'm just like (laughs) sitting there questioning myself, right? So for you, what did that look like? Because you, unlike you, like I had had no idea what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have this like dead set target. Were there any... Any things that happened in your life or personally that caused you to rethink or these other paths that you wanted to go that you are glad you didn't choose? (laughs) Yeah, there's one that like really comes to mind. I want to share a little bit something first, just like of the journey to give some context. So like I got that first NASA internship after three years and over 150 applications. And while I was there, I realized that I need to go on a grad school and a different school and major, get my master's in aerospace engineering to actually work for NASA full time. So I applied to Georgia Tech and I got rejected. And I'm like, well, that's the only place I wanted to go. It had the connections, the only lab in the country that does what it does in terms of systems engineering. Like, what am I going to do now? Okay, maybe I'll go to another school, but 
then I'll transfer to Georgia Tech and then make sure I graduate from Georgia Tech. Eventually, three weeks later, I got granted admission into the school. A week after that, I got a full ride scholarship as a graduate research assistant. So that's how I got into Georgia Tech. And then I set my sights on NASA JPL, the Jet Propulsion Lab. They're the ones that do the Mars rovers um, and all the robotic exploration. So there's like 19 to 22 NASA facilities all around the country. Most people think of Florida and Texas. But so like the one in California was the one I wanted. Went through three rounds of interviews, didn't get the job. And I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? I'm two months away from graduation. So I graduated without a full-time job got myself a 10-weekend internship to prove to them that I belonged. And if I didn't prove to them at the end of the 10 weeks, I was, I don't know, going to be a beach bum, which didn't sound too bad, or like go back home and stay with my mom until I figured it out. But throughout that time, I set up more than 30 interviews for myself. And then on the last day, I was told that I was going to become a full-time NASA scientist. So that's just the journey there. So like those were all areas that I wanted to give up on. Like when I got rejected every single time, but the biggest thing that made me want to change my course was a girl. <laughs> so I started dating this girl senior year of undergrad and then moved to Atlanta for Georgia Tech. So I was in Wisconsin, then moved to Atlanta. She was going to come down and move with me. Like we were dating for like two years at this point. And then we broke up or like I ended things because basically what happened is that she kept on saying she was going to move down with me, but she was only saying that so I wouldn't break up with her. I'm like, well, what if I like propose right now? Like we had like those conversations. Basically, Kevin just turned into this like this state where I was like willing to throw it all away, withdraw <laughs> from grad school, go back home. I already had a job offer for an aircraft manufacturer in, in Illinois, and then I could be with her. And when my grandma found out about this, this is the kicker. This is what made me keep going. Grandma called me and she swore. I'm not going to swear now. But pretty much she's like, what the hell are you doing? She's like, do not throw away the dreams you've always had for some stupid girl. She's like, don't do that. And to hear that from my grandma, it's just like, oh, that's a reality check right there. Yeah, because if that girl is the one your dreams matter just as much yes. as that relationship. So it'll work out in the end if it's meant to. Mm-hmm. I love that because so I feel like a lot of people listening probably have some sort of story <laughs> revolving around a girl or a guy where you debated changing your trajectory a little bit based on that person and looking back you're just like shit thank god i did not no or you're thinking back like i did do that and taught me a a very valuable lesson yeah in the long run right so it was like compounding factors too so i'm trying to learn matlab right i've just gotten into grad school in aerospace engineering with a mechanical bachelor's so i feel like i'm drinking from a fire hose just in terms of aerospace knowledge Everyone's had undergrad courses in uh, like lift and drag and know the fundamentals of it. This is all brand new to me. So I'm like learning aerospace, also trying to learn to code. I am a thousand miles away from anyone I know. I'm in a brand new city. Huge difference from small town in Wisconsin to now Atlanta. Very diverse. Like there were no people of color in my town growing up. Like nothing like that. So it was just a huge culture shock in the first place. I'm living alone. And then now this person who I thought was going to be the mother of my kids is now no longer in my life. So it's like, holy crap, is it worth it? Is this dream worth all the stuff that I'm going through right now or the things that I don't have or the things that I'm desiring? And I was like so freaking lonely. And when I reached out to my best friend, he's like, dude, this is the path you chose. Like, I don't have sympathy for you. Like, I hear you, but he's like, put in the work. Okay. It's a good friend right there. Is he <laughs> still like, your friend? I, he is. I was yeah. the best man in his wedding uh, <laughs> three years ago now. That is a great friend right there. Yeah. I was like, dang. Okay. Grandma and my best friend are saying, buck up, kid. So I kept pressing on. Yeah. That would be the biggest one. <laughs> I love that. And it reminds me so much of human nature and the human story of just like mm-hmm. how cloudy things really are. And one of the reasons that I love doing podcasts is 
we only know people on surface level. Like we look at their Instagrams, we see their LinkedIn's and we see all this yes. and like everyone is only sharing like their titles and their taglines and, and the things that they have achieved. But the reality of it is there's so much gray that happens until we get to that point. Yeah. And nobody knows about that stuff unless one, you share it, but then two, you are vulnerable enough to share it on a platform where it might encourage other people to share their own stories and and maybe help through that sharing of those stories. So I appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable and share that. Let's kick it into another gear though, because you did work at NASA and that yeah. did all happen. And then you left. <laughs> right, this huge story I just gave, I'm like, <laughs> all of this stuff I had to go through, get that dream job. Yeah, man, I, I relate to it so much. I went to five and a half years of school, transferred multiple times so that I could play sports and continue doing engineering. And then I only literally lasted, I think, 11 months in Ooh, my engineering short? career path. Yeah, wow. only 11 months. And then I switched into sales. And then once I got the sales experience, I was like, I got the engineering experience. I got the sales experience. It's time to build my own thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to do for the world. If, I think it was really cut and dry for me only because I didn't have like that kill shot like I feel like you did. Like NASA is the thing. I didn't have like mm -hmm. the company or the thing that I wanted to do. Um, and because it was so gray, it, it kind of allowed me to really take a step back and be like, well, none of these are my dream things anyway. So why yeah. does it really matter? Right. But I can empathize with when you do have that dream thing where it's like, to me, the dream thing right now is thrive, right? And it's just like, that's yeah. that's my kill shot. And for you to end up getting to that point and realize, hmm, maybe there is more to my specific life than this title or this job or this brand. Yeah. Maybe I want to create my own. I'd love for you to give us the rundown of what was your time like at NASA? And then what started that process of maybe something else was for you? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that are listening or out in the world that they work so hard, whether it's a doctor or a dentist or an engineer or anybody, like you go to a trade school, a mechanic, and you work so hard to get to that point. And then a couple years in and you're sitting there thinking to yourself like, hmm, I feel like there's a different path for me, but I don't but they fall into that whole sunk cost fallacy where they put so much time into it. They just are like, you know what? I'll just stay here. And you've been a great example of like, no, don't do that. Mm -mm. So I'd love for you to share that part. Get out. Um, yeah. In the beginning, it was amazing. And I think part of that has to do with the halo effect, right? Where it's like, it's new. It's neat. Like I'm a young buck. I'm ignorant at this point. Where I'm like, this is great. I'm finally at NASA. Like, Cool, like spacecrafts are built in buildings over there. These are the people that designed the Mars rovers. Like everyone here is brilliant. Like I can learn so much. And it was probably around like that 11 month mark, probably the same as you where I'm like, eh, this, hmm, I don't like this anymore. You know, so I did last at NASA for three years. And then I was at another company for a year after that as a transition point to breaking off and doing my own thing. Like in the beginning, it was exciting because there was a lot of newness. And then I tell people, like, I got bored. Like, I got bored at NASA. It was great things, but great things take a long time, especially with yeah. government, yeah. right? So, yes, I am designing a mission. It will eventually launch, inspire millions of people in maybe three to 20 years, right? It's like the timeline of this project. And I'm like, okay, I've done this analysis now 50 times. We're still three years away from launch. So then I have to do this analysis 150 more times to make sure it's perfect because it's rocket science. It's hard. Yeah. There's no way for us to go and, and fix it. You know, The only thing we can change is a software update. Hardware's got to be perfect. And it just it was a really slow pace for me. And I'm like, I want more. It wasn't exciting. And then I started seeing all the corporate BS. And I'm like, hmm. So at least for government and NASA specifically, I wasn't allowed to get a promotion for three years. And then after I got that three-year promotion, I wasn't allowed to get another promotion for five years. After that, not allowed for seven years. So I can do amazing work, 
But the one requirement that I still have to meet is I just have to wait. I could be the best systems engineer in all of NASA, and I wouldn't be allowed to be given a promotion because I didn't have enough years of service. And I'm like, the return on investment here isn't really like, it's not making me feel good. And the transparency, just the lack of transparency that occurred over the course of the three years that I was there was ridiculous. So they, we have like a a year long or a, a yearly review from HR saying like our salaries are competitive in the market. And every single one of us is like, why are we competitive in the market? We are literally doing things that are out of this world. That you have are never NASA. been done before. <laughs> Why do you have a hard time retaining employees and hiring employees? Because Google, Apple, Facebook, everyone can pay double what your government employees are getting. It's like being messy, but being paid like you're an MLS player. Yeah. They're like, see, we're like, we're, we're competitive with the other companies that are out there. And we're like, no, yeah, salary wise, according to you, yes. But in terms of product delivery, we are not competitive. We are the leading edge. We develop the technology and hand it over to industry. That's what we do. That wasn't reflected in our paychecks. And I'm living in LA. It is expensive as hell to live in LA. So my starting salary was $73,000 in Los Angeles. I turned down an wow. offer from undergrad in Illinois for $65,000 right out of undergrad. So I decided to go to two more years of college and only make, that's $8,000 more. But if you factor and then in, in LA, if yeah. you factor in cost of living, $65,000 in Illinois is ninety dollars in LA. So I took a $17,000 decrease to work for NASA. So you truly have to be a space cadet through and through to stay Which at NASA. I've never heard of like a cap on when you could be promoted or what, like that, outside of like, if you're in the police or like yeah. s- situations like that, where I could understand where like time on the force, life or death, you're going like how many times you've like put your life on the line every single day. Like that does matter. Like that should yeah. be worth something, but the best should get paid the best. Yeah. And it, that shouldn't be a time frame when we're talking about moving our world to the next phase. Right. So it might be in the beginning, like lower pay to prove out, okay, who's really here for the right reason? But then after that, once people prove themselves, I'm shell-shocked that they're not paying people what they'd be worth to incentivize them to stay there to keep the smartest minds in this place that seems to be one of the places that wants to move our world to the next phase. Yeah, right? Like, So I started hiring interns. That was part of the thing I did while I was there. And the conversations were, we need to get our offers before Google, Apple, and Facebook put out their offers because otherwise these kids are going to take the money. So yeah, I mean, we need to try and lock them in so that they're. I got paid more to, to sit this. at a bank at a desk and yeah. just do IT work. That was like, right? It was easy. So, like, so <laughs> like, that was one of the things where I'm like, I have these dreams, these things I want to do, and there's no way for me to make more money in my current nine to five, where I'm working sometimes 50, 60 hours a week, sometimes going in on Saturdays. And I was also reading a book, and uh, it highlighted this article that was like, these are the top. 10 or 20 qualities of like the richest people in the world. And I'm like, I have every single one of these, <laughs> but there is no way that I can increase my income stream in my All current right, what situation. are some of these qualities? Do you remember? Well, it was like having a fitness uh, routine, like reading books, learning, being an optimist and like having a positive outlook on life, being kind and genuine. This list was in The School of Greatness by Lewis Howes. That was okay. like the first book I read. So it's somewhere somewhere in like chapter 13 or something like that. Have you ever read uh, Tools of Titans or Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss? Read Tribe of Mentors. I'm a third of the way through uh, Tools of Titans. Nice. Yeah. Because yeah. it reminds me of a similar thing where it's just like you're taking stories from these, yeah, these great people. Like, like, how do I do this? Yeah. Right? Like, I want more money because I want to be able to do these things and like live a life that's like interesting to me. Like, okay, like, how can I do that? So I'm like, what can I do? So that's where it started. It was like, all right, hate the corporate world. I'm an active move around person. And now I'm in a cubicle for 60 hours a week. I'll quote Tony Robbins. You, you sit in a box to drive and then sit in another box. And then you come home and you sit in front of a box. And it's all about boxes, like car, cubicle, TV. Like, <laughs> that is not the life that I want. Like, I do not want the box life. How do I get out of the box life? 
So fitness was like the thing that I was doing all the time. Except for fitness boxes. Fitness boxes are okay. (laughs) That's different. (laughs) As we're about to go to literally a a warehouse after this and work out, Squatch, it's literally a box. It's a box. It's a good box. That's a a different story. Like the lady I was living with at the time, I was renting a room from her, and uh, she called me the fit rocket scientist. So like, that's what I used to be known as when I was like in the fitness world. I'm like, okay, like I want to do this. Like I'm following some men's physique athletes, like get sponsored by supplement company. These people seem to be living decent lifestyles. Like, cool. Like, let's try that route. So I started to teach about fitness and I wasn't sponsored, but I was working with a company where I got free product. I was working the demo booths. Like I was in that environment and then also realized like, that's all a facade. That was like, I do not want to be a sponsored athlete. Like, Every single one I talked to said it's complete and utter crap. No, I don't take any of this product. It's so artificial and crappy. I'm like, oh, thanks, Alex. I appreciate that. So then I was like, all right, what else can I do? Like I read uh, The 4-Hour Workweek right, by Tim Ferriss, and I'm trying to make a list. I'm like, oh, maybe I can do a side business with products. What are things I know about? I know about spacecrafts. What if I created models of spacecrafts? So I was like on Alibaba, like trying to look up all the materials and like figure out if I could get someone to like build these 3D models and then sell them. So I'm like, just like looking all over to try and find something to offset my income or to create a different income, right? So I'm out there searching. It took a long time for me to realize that I needed to not look outward, but look more inward. So I was volunteering a lot of my time to speak about NASA. There's a JPL Speakers Bureau request come in. Uh, so I get an email every Monday morning of like schools, libraries, organizations. If you can fulfill a request, go do it. So I was like doing those every so often. And I'm like, that fills me up the most. As I need to like get through this crappy time in a cubicle while I'm figuring stuff out, let's do more of that. So I was taking lunches, nights, weekends. I even took vacation to go out and talk about space. So I was doing this a lot and I really fell in love with it. And then a couple of times they wanted to pay me and like give me stuff. And I'm like, I can't. I'm a government employee. You can't bribe me. I can't take things. Like, I appreciate it. Give it to somebody else. And then it clicked. I was like, ooh, wait, they want to pay me. Could I make this my life? Could I talk about space all the time and get paid to do it enough to pay my bills? And I was like, I don't know if I can, but I'm going to make that happen. That fills me up the most. So like that was my transition of that's what I wanted to do. My parents, they did not like this idea. My dad still is like, when I tell people you quit NASA, he's like, I tell him, I, I still don't understand it. But he, he's happy and he's, he's doing stuff and he's able to make money. I, I don't know why he quit, but <laughs> he thinks it's crazy. What we don't understand, we think it's crazy. Yeah. There are still people but- at NASA who think I'm crazy that still see what I've done now. And he's like, dude, you need to come back. I need your help on this project. They don't understand your dream. And Mm -hmm. I think the thing that, and maybe you can attest to this, is in the beginning, you try to like force people to understand your dream. Yeah. But the reality is they're never going to have the same feeling of your dream as you have. And that's okay. Because the real goal is for them to have their own dream. And the only way that you inspire them to have their own dream is you just keep doing yours. So Mm -hmm. I'd say you're on a good path to doing that. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. I do want to share another story about my time at NASA where I really realized that it was not for me, was a retirement party for my boss's boss. So we have the cake, a lot of people out. Where's the party at? The party's at NASA. <laughs> so it's like, no, they, don't even rent out, they don't even rent out like a... Oh, no. Wow. No. So the way NASA treats its employees is crap. And like when I had my exit interview with HR, like I was actually part of focus groups throughout my entire time at, at NASA, where I'm like, this is what's wrong and this needs to change. And nothing was changing. Everything I did just met up against a brick wall. I can name you specific people at NASA JPL who, if these people retired, NASA JPL would be the most amazing place. It's still ranked as the best place to work in like America, but it can be a whole lot better. The head of public outreach well, listening to, didn't like social media. Yeah. <laughs> listening to feedback would be a good way that anything could be better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the story, the story is the retirement party. And he's, what, 65, maybe something like that. And he is so happy. His name's Richard. Like, I love Richard. He's a great guy. So happy. Such a good soul. And he's like, 
He's given his his speech and he's just like, he takes off his hat. I can finally live my life the way I want to. I can sleep in when I want. I can go for walks when I want. I can go on vacation. And I was like, you are 65 years old. You have just been working for the last 45 years of your life. Now you literally can't go outside without a hat on because your doctor doesn't want the sun to touch your scalp. And now you're saying I can live the life I want to live? I am 25 right now. I am not looking to wait 40 years to live the life I want to live. No freaking way. That really lit the fire. And I was like, no, I don't want your position. I don't want to climb up those ranks. I need to get out. I need to figure out a way where I can live the life I want to live in my prime and now. Yes, I'm a hard worker. I will sacrifice. I will dedicate. I will make things happen. It's not all going to be sunshine and candy, but it needs to be a lot better than what it is right now. When you're working on the thing that you love, though, it is sunshine and candy. Like, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's yeah. because you're not looking for the pot of gold at the end. Like, it just is gold. The journey is the gold, right? Like, Saturday and Sunday, I was in coffee shops working. Like, before we met up, I, yeah, was, at, I was at Medici for three hours. Yeah, there's no, there's... There's no on-off switch. No. That's the thing. Like, you just turn the on switch and it's broken. Yeah. Right? Like, I would rather, this is the common phrase, I'd rather work eyes open, eyes closed than nine to five for someone else. (sighs) Who says that? I don't know. I've heard it. I feel like I've heard it. Maybe I'm like impact theory or something. Maybe you need to to trademark trademark that. that I've read a lot (laughs) in that type of space, in in motivation, inspiration. I've never heard that one. Um, But we're getting close to our wrap up phase of this conversation and man, just hearing your journey is just reinvigorating me to like continue down my path. So I'd love for you to just speak a little bit about what it is you're actually up to today. And you were just mentioning how really like getting out there and trying different things. And that story, if you're listening to this right now, Kevin did a great job of just making the best with what he's got and I think a lot of people struggle to do that. They're just so in the mindset of like, oh, I hate this thing. and But then they stay at that thing for a year because they're not an optimist. They're just like, oh, like I just hate this. And every day is just a drag rather than saying like, you know what? This is my life right now, but how do I just make it one ounce better? So for, for Kev, he was making it one ounce better by taking on those speaking gigs, which then eventually led him to the path that he's pretty much on today. Yeah. where you're literally in town in Austin right now because you're about to go speak to kids in San Marcos, New Braunfels area. But obviously there's a backstory to that. So in a semi-succinct way, give us the story of how the heck did you go from like kind of speaking to, okay, I'm going to do space camps for kids and, and other things that are involved in that arena. So while I was speaking, like if I was representing NASA, I couldn't accept any form of payment. But then I found out that if I did something myself and just said that I was uh, an aerospace engineer, I could take payment. So I started to do that. So I built up a little bit of, you know, maybe like $300 a month doing something like that. And then I realized if I really wanted to elevate myself, so my brand that I wanted to use was I wanted to use NASA to promote myself. And I can't do that while at NASA. So I found a different aerospace company to go and work for, which also gave me like a 40% raise for a year. So I left, I went to this company called the Aerospace Organization, which hopefully my boss isn't listening, but the only reason I went there was as a stepping stone to leave and do my own thing. And as soon as I quit NASA, I was able to call myself a former NASA rocket scientist and accept all the payment I could. So like that was part of the transition. It's like, all right, now I have this area where I'm able to use NASA to promote myself, go all in. And as soon as I'm able to take the leap and actually quit the corporate world for good, that's what I'll do. So I started doing more speaking events. I started promoting myself as NASA on my website, on my Instagram, things were coming in. And then I landed a contract with CuriosityStream, which if you haven't heard of CuriosityStream, it's like Netflix for nerds. So the creator of the Discovery Channel, Left Discovery, created Curiosity Stream, where everything's great storytelling, factual content. It's just all documentary, factual stuff. And I became their resident rocket scientist. 
And so I signed that contract. I got a stipend per month just to be the rocket scientist. I would do some interviews, stuff like that. So when I landed that contract, I was like, ooh, this is 50% of my income. That alone, then like the speaking gigs and other things that I was doing could supplement the rest of it. And I'm like, I can live on this. I did that. And I'm like, all right, what are other ways that I can make money? Basically, it's like, what are different ways that I can spread the good word of science and accept payment for it? So that's where some of the space camps started. I haven't developed my own space camp in person yet. I get hired on to go and teach space camps. But most recently, what I've launched is space class, which I've been teaching lessons for space camps for the last five, six years. But then the pandemic hit and all the space camps went away. So I'm like, well, what the heck am I going to do? So I started to really fine tune these lessons and work with scientists and engineers from NASA and other top aerospace organizations to create an online class. So it's an online class, space class, and that's my baby right now. That's the biggest thing that I've put in a ton of time into, 10 different lessons, teaching kids everything from spectroscopy to rockets, rovers, landers, submarines, submarines because Europa. We haven't had any space submarines yet, but we're, we're working on sending them out there. So to actually like get to do what I'm doing now has just been so many small things building upon itself. And I wasn't ready. Like I was ready to leave the corporate world. Like, oh yeah. But I didn't feel secure to leave. I had to take that leap of faith. Like the scariest thing I have ever done is quit my job. Like while I'm at the aerospace corporation, made the decision with my ex-wife at the time of like, okay, I'm going to quit. I'm going to tell him on Friday. And I'm like, okay, he's in his office. My office is here. He's there. I got to go in. I'm like, oh, like my heart just started going crazy. Like <laughs> so much anxiety. And I'm like, all right, uh, what do I need to do? Okay, put in the headphones, YouTube, motivational speech. All right, great. So I'm listening to it, you know, like those. And I'm like, just the compilation. I'm like, okay, headphones out, stand up. Nope, sit back down. I'm not ready yet. Put the headphones back in. I'm like, okay, I got to do this. Like, come on. And then a line came up that was like, if you live in fear, you'll never live the life that you're meant to. And as soon as I heard that, it clicked. Headphones out, walked right into my boss's office. And I was like, hey, Rob, I need to talk to you. And then I quit my job. And then what? <laughs> <laughs> then, he, so, then, I, then I cried. <laughs> right. Then I, it was still like a nervous conversation, right? Dude, I still, um, I still to this day remember when I quit my last corporate job, I, I was in sales. So it's like you quit and they're just like, all right, you can leave. Like, it's just oh. like, literally you, you just leave right yeah. then and there. And I remember just like, I waited till like 10 AM. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was going to leave like at lunch yeah. and walked in, said what I had to say. This just isn't for me. That's pretty much how I put it. Um, so if anybody's thinking about doing this, like the easiest way I feel like to go about it is to just be sincere and just say like, Hey, this is just not something that's for me. I have other goals and dreams and it's nothing against this environment. It's just, I'm not the right fit. Yeah. Um, that took a lot of pressure off me. To That's like, good. Yeah. Yeah. It, a lot of it was just like, cause like you feel bad. You're just like, they hired me and like they mm-hmm. put a lot of work in. And if you're an empath like me, it's just like, I know how much work that they put into bringing me in and things like that. But at the end of the day, like I started thinking, I'm just holding them back by staying here. So they could replace me with somebody that's like really fired up about this. So I transitioned my, my lens to, okay, I'm just not the right fit. And you're going to find somebody that this really is for. And I have a different journey that I want to take. And I still remember like getting in my car and like driving over to Whole Foods and having my lunch and just being like, well, that was one of the hard parts, but now what? <laughs> like now is the really hard part. Like, I got to wake up tomorrow and and really put right. my nose to the grindstone and figure out, did you have a plan? Like, what did your plan look like once you went yeah. in there and, and resigned? What was that plan? Yeah. I had a lot of momentum built up. And then I, so I had, I just got flown up to Turkey to give the, the keynote at the International Entrepreneur and Innovation Week. Like I had that. I just gave a TED talk, my first one at Georgia Tech. I was highlighted at two Yuri's nights. So Yuri Gagarin was the first human in space. So every, and that was April 12th, 1960, crap, 61, I think. The year might be wrong, but every year, April 12th, we have a party. So I got highlighted as a space ambassador in LA at that party underneath the space shuttle, and then also at one in Colorado Springs. So I'm like, I'm having all of these events leading up to it. And I'm like, okay, I got great motivation. 
my ex-wife was like, all right, if there's any time to jump, like it's, it's now. I'm like, six months ago, you told me I would never be able to do this. And like, <laughs> now, now, now we're doing it. Now you got to jump. Right. So then push like, you off. Yeah. So like I had that. So like I quit in July. I had three space camps lined up. I was doing one in August, one in September, one in October. I had that Curiosity Stream contract coming in and I was doing interviews for a manager because I wanted like to be creating and hosting science shows on on like large platforms. I'm like, I don't know this industry at all. Like I need help. So I started to accumulate a team and one of that was getting a manager. So like that was my big plan was like, I need help. I know I can't do this alone. Who can I surround myself with to help me like walk this path? Because this is a whole new industry that I don't know. So I had jobs lined up. So I had income that was coming in and I just kept on chasing more income. I ended up doing an Intel commercial, which got me like $4,000 and a free laptop. I still use the laptop today. It's awesome. Um, that came like right after October. So it was really interesting. So I was doubling my income every month for the first year after I quit. So I had my base, like that curiosity stream. And then so let's say I'm just going to throw out numbers like 2,000. Okay, so then the next month I made 4,000. Next month after that I made 8,000. The next month after that I made 16. And I'm like, wow, this is looking good. All right. So it's like just keep on doing what I'm doing. Like the process works. There's been, you know, some falls along the way. I've kind of started. That. And then COVID. Uh, then COVID <laughs> and like, oh, the in person stuff goes away. Oh, you mean your library gigs, your school organizations, your space camps, everything that you make money Life doing? Is like, we tricked you here. <laughs> like, things are great. All right. Now I'm not doing anything for a while. So then I had to, you know, go back to the drawing board. I'm like, all right, well, what can I do? I went live on YouTube every single day teaching a space class from 9 to 10 to give teachers a break. Like, So I did that for three weeks. My YouTube channel was born out of that. And then when the lockdown just kept on going, I was like, can I go live every single day? Like, through the end of the school year? And... I did it for like a month and then I backed it off to twice a week. And then I started releasing like one video a week after that. And then like through that is when I started to develop the space class. But yeah, COVID was, yeah. Which is why it's so good to be back in person and see you and have events. Like I had my first in-person event last month. I got flown out to San Diego to speak to 10,000 kids about outer space. Like that was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So fulfilling to hear like your story because I, there's just so many things I relate to and for everyone out there, the big lesson that I would say is you have to lower the ego because the thing that I hear from you is just like not once are you like, oh, I was a NASA scientist so I can't go and speak to these kids for a hundred bucks. Like that's where I think a lot of people get conflicted is they have too high expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah rather than like focusing on the process and the process is like the more that you can go out and speak and practice and refine, like the better your long term is going to be. And you just sitting back and, and saying no to things because you're some NASA scientist, like isn't going to help you in the long run. And you can implant NASA scientists. You can trade that title for whatever title you worked to go get to. Like, I think a lot of people, they work so hard to get to this one title and then they're like, oh, I can't make a pivot that's lateral or I can't go down to go back up in certain yeah. in certain markets. And especially like when you go through a pandemic, it's just like, it's a gut check for everybody. It's like, okay, who am I? What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? Why do I want to go there? What does my future look like? And taking away that mindset of like, I care, like you said, your dad, it's just like, calling you crazy for quitting NASA or how many yeah. of those people out there it just it kills me because how many of those people are the opposite and they do care so much about that that they don't even go and fulfill their own life and the thing that hurts my soul is when you're telling that story of the retirement how many people in that room are just sitting there clapping like they're so happy just for blindly them. clapping like yeah I'll get there great. one day this will this will be me one day yeah. rather than really being like holy shit like what we built a system that literally has no point to our life. Like it doesn't give us the life that we want right now. So like, what is the point to work? Right. So yeah. a lot to take away from this episode. I really appreciate you taking some time. I know your time is super valuable. So I appreciate you being willing to share it with me here today. Um, next 30 seconds. If people had 
one thing to learn about space, what would you want that to be? So I'm always trying to get people involved yeah. in new topics and new areas to learn. Like if you were to say, what is one thing everybody should be looking up? Like the knowledge that everybody should have on space, what would it be? I think it's something that just kind of like blow your mind a little bit. Or that there are more trees on Earth than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And we still don't have enough trees to recycle all the carbon dioxide. But there are more stars in our universe than there are grains of sand on all of Earth's beaches. That's how big it is out there. It's a billion trillion stars. For me, it's when I feel some anxiety or I feel some type of stress, I'm just like... Wow, I'm just one little speck <laughs> <laughs> on this floating rock right, in this universe. Like in the grand scheme of things, whether I go left or I go right, doesn't really matter. So just choose the one that you're gonna be more in love with. Uh, choose that path. So before we wrap up, I always wrap up the same way. If people love what you had to say today, how do they get in touch with you? Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. At Kevin Jada Bruin. Shoot me a DM. I answer all of my DMs. It is crazy. I like it. I love interacting with the community, right? It's not followers. It's not fans. I've built a space community. I call you Space Fam. So you become a follower, you're part of the Space Fam. Not Space Jam. Space Fam. Space Fam. <laughs> <laughs> love it. And then last question I always ask everybody, if I were to ask you what does the word thriving mean to you, what does that mean? So if Kevin J. Bruin is thriving... What does it look like? Thriving means that I am excelling past my goals as well as helping others surpass their goals. It's not a solo journey. I want to help other people as well. Heck yeah. Strive together, thrive together. Again, thank you, Kevin, for, for showing up here today. I always talk a little bit about what was my biggest takeaway at the end of every episode. And I kind of already touched on it, but it's really the fact that you've been able to reach a goal that you really had your eyes set on and you feel like you were destined for and then still to be able to reduce your ego and pivot and find something that's more in line with where you see your future and to constantly be doing that year over year I think is admirable and I think it's really where people in this world that's how life should be in 2022 where no longer beholden to you have to sit at a desk all day and grind away for this corporate job or even entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, you could do both. You could do hybrid. There's a million different things out there. And fortunately, the internet gives us that ability to see other people and to connect with other people like Kevin. So if you're interested in space, I highly recommend you reach out to him and, and figure out what is that path for you. And if you're interested in anything and everything that we talk about here on Thrive, podcast, please reach out to me because I'd love to help you get there. It's all about helping each other get to the next point of our lives, just like Kevin was saying. So till next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.